0: again. Recorded live.
1: Good morning. It is November 6, 2015, and we are here for Lynn's practice interview for her dream job. So I'm excited for you. I am too. This is just, it's been an exciting week. Everyone that I've been working with the last month or so has had interviews. So I think people are ready to hire again. I think that's a good sign. Yes. Well, yeah. um, just some of the little things like um, when you're getting, it is a phone interview, correct? Right. Um, if you have a landline, use your landline if possible because cell phones sometimes are not as clear. We, You know, they fade in and out. You don't want the call to drop. You can use a headset or not really keep it on speaker. When it's on speaker, it tends to be a little bit more echoey. Uh-huh. So you want it crisp and clear. Different rules of thought of how many rings to let it, you know, let it ring. I say if you know the number that it's calling in from, grab it. (laughs) Um, Turn off call waiting, any of those that would have the beeps coming through. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And even if you're on your your cell phone, if you end up using your cell phone, if you've got any, you know, alerts for, like, text messages or any of that, try to turn them off so that they're not distracting. Okay. Well, I'll be doing... Uh, I do work on Monday, but I've arranged to take the time to be available to do the call. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be anywhere. I'll be distracted. It'll I'll be you know in a private place to take the call. Good, good. I'm excited. I'm excited. What questions do you have for me before we jump in and actually do the okay? Interview? Uh, a couple of questions. First of all, this is going to be an interview with two of the colonels, I believe, is what the person told me when she called. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is intimidating to me. Um, Just need some pointers on, you know, how to respond to them. Um, I know I have a, a... a friend who works as a SARC at Checkpoint. She is more of the, not the managing of the services side of it, but more of the actual face-to-face contact with the victims. Um, and her advice was that, you know, they're usually very direct and they're looking for a very direct answer. Would you agree with that? or Yes, and also my experience working with the higher ranking is they're more personable. They're not as scary and the, the, the word that comes to mind is just almost mean and nasty as you would have a captain or a major
0: uh-huh.
1: because they have nothing to prove. It's like the junior officers don't know any better, so they're just going with the lead of being jerks. Then you've got the captain and major still trying to, you know, get promoted, so they're being even more jerks and demanding of the yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and all of that. But by the time they're at colonel, they're human again. And they're just very kind, and, you know, I would still – do a few of the yes sirs and this and that, but don't let it intimidate you. They they are just much more, even the generals I've worked with, have always just been more kind. And I think it's just the way it is within their career. They know they're either still going up because they're good or they're they know they're not and there's no need to be ugly with people. It's not part of that game anymore okay that but with any of that. this it's really focusing your answer on the benefits you bring to them right um, let's see what else I have another, another question what what type of questions do you would you anticipate that I might get you know, I think they're going to give you the basics. Uh, tell me about yourself, which again is really—they don't care about you. They want to know what you've done that will benefit them, which goes back to what you've put in the KSAs. Uh huh. And I really think if they don't say it, they're thinking it. How, as a civilian, are you a good fit for this? Because, you know, they've you, people have veteran's preference. They've got spouse-wife preference. And you've interviewed before, and I think the reasons, it's just that number, that somebody's got some extra points ahead of you. And it's letting these guys or gals know the value you bring. That, yes, you have, you know, it's one of those you really have to step it up up and toot your own horn, the military relationships, your understanding, you've had over, you know, 15 years working with the military, really driving that home, that you get it. That you might not have been active duty, but you get it. You understand, you bring a fresh perspective, that type of thing. And that you support their mission. The military has their own little culture. Right. And I think, you know, so it's just really bringing that up and bringing it out to sh- to let them know. Right. It's all in there in the KSA, so it's just a matter of me being able to communicate it to them. Mhm. Because, honestly, have they read them? Probably not, they've probably skimmed if they've even skimmed. Somebody else did the rereading the the previewing right so, and it's you know just I think a part of it again is conveying that team effort you want to be part of their team, you want to help their them exceed their goals, their mission, you're there to help them. Um, I had, um, I'm not sure if you're going to ask me questions or, or whatever um, as part of this practice session, but. Um, I've got the ones you sent me, which I think are all really good. Yeah, Um I prepared uh, an answer for something, I wanted to run those by you. hmm Most definitely. To see what you thought. So I've got the ones in front of me that you sent me. Do you want to just go through those first? Yeah. Okay. All right. Cause you... I'm guessing they'll just both be on the phone and say hello and some little – welcoming something and you'll probably just jump right in and I think the advantage you have is having this all in front of you. Yep. (laughs) I would have it all laid out. I would have pencil and paper so if you need to jot down the questions that they ask if it's not these or yeah when I've done panels I honestly was just like dumbfounded at the length of the question like is that part of the test to see if I can even remember. (laughs) what you just asked me by the time you get to the end of it my my past interviews that i had they were all with the panel and those were those that was a mistake i made the first two i think i went to and by the third one i i kind of had it down pat i just didn't have the right answers i don't think but there were long questions um and you know when you're talking in front of three people, trying to get all the information out mm-hmm. on just the first part of the question, and then the last interview I had, I asked, you know, what could I have done different? What what was it that I missed? And they said that I needed to answer all of the questions. So going into it, I already know that's going to be something I've got to I've got to deal with a nail. hmm Um. And it's so. hard. You know, I, I just almost feel like it's unfair <laughs> at times because we all, I don't know, when I did it, I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty nerve-wracking to go in and have three people in front of you like that. hmm I just remember the, <laughs> so most of the questions this one gal was asking me, by the time she got to the end of it, I was trying to still remember what the actual, it had so many parts to it that it was like, hmm well, the third one, I took a pad of paper and I wrote it down. And they were fine with that. Mhm. They didn't have a problem with that. I mean, I think they even encouraged me to do it to some degree. Yeah. So, but anyway. All right, let's jump on in. So I'm just going to pretend to be one of them. Okay. So good morning, Lynn. I've got your package in front of me, so let's just jump on in. What sparked your interest when you saw the advertisement, this position being advertised for the Command Sexual Assault Prevention and Response Coordinator? Well, I've been interested in working for the SAFRA program for a long time. I applied for a victim advocacy position several times in the past. I was actually selected for an interview three times, but was not selected on any of them. I wouldn't say any of that okay. because now they're wondering why you weren't selected. Okay. Don't even go there. Okay. What sparked your interest when you saw the position? I have a deep love for the military. I have over 15 years' experience working with the military or closely with the military. I want to continue to share my knowledge. I've paid attention, you know, something about the recent trends and how what, focus on what you've done that's bringing value to that position and why you're the one to step up and help decrease sexual assault or make this program work. Okay. Um. Let's see. I'm going to pull up your KSAs right now and see. Because you've You know, it's all, again, just try to keep it focused on what you've done that speaks volumes. You know, each year we look at the very first KSA. Each year you presented for the Child Protective Services Sexual Assault Task Force Seminar. I would pull some of that. You've collaborated when you were with CPS, the um, sexual assault response coordinator, victim advocate. You worked with them closely. And then I would pull some of that research that I sent you in that one spreadsheet with the statistics and that you know you're the right person to help lower these numbers. Okay. I put in here also that um, I said I feel I could provide exceptional quality customer service to the command of Ward Camp Lejeune and the victims. I spent the last 19 years working with victims of sexual abuse. I was always very passionate about the service I provided for victims and their families. And then just go over my experience with each job that I've done over the past uh, 19 years. I would. I would just pull some of the really wow things and, again, how that um, you just know you've got the a combined work history, work experience to help. Okay. And, you know, when it if the question is what sparked your interest, it would be like, you know, I saw this and I knew it was written for me. Okay. This is what I have been doing my entire career and then, you know, pull some of those snippets out of each of those. And when I continue to see or talk with my peers on the trends or the, um, you know, sexual assault with men and women and the, You know what I'm saying, just pull it to focus on the here and the now and you are the right one. It was written for you, you've been, everything you've done in the past has led to this and you just really look forward to being able to share your expertise and reduce sexual assaults or something. Okay. Describe to the panel why you think sexual assault happens and what you believe to be best practices for providing advocacy to victims of sexual assault. I believe sexual assault happens due to the desire of one person to obtain power and control over another person. It is an abuse of power over that other person That's why I think sexual assault happens. Victims deserve to be treated with sensitivity. They deserve, oh, sorry. Victims deserve to be treated with sensitivity. They deserve to have privacy that they prefer. The victim's safety needs to be addressed first and foremost. The victim's needs to be assured that her safety is top priority. The victim should be offered medical care if needed or desired. The vaccine advocates should thoroughly explain the victim's options and what resources and services are available for the victim. What should I add? Um, at the very beginning when you said, I think,
0: uh-huh.
1: or I think that's what I heard you say, Okay.
0: So
1: I would just be very direct. Sexual assault happens... Or sexual assault is abuse of power. It is control. Someone controlling. Just be very direct. Okay. Remove the I thinks and my opinions. Be very direct. Okay. And the best practices for providing advocacy are the privacy, da, 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 da. That way, because they might not know that you just rattled off best practices because they didn't hear it. They didn't hear you say the best practices. So I need to, before I describe what that means, I have to put that in or that word, best practice? Yes. Okay. That way they know you're answering that part of the question, because they might not be the experts in this. They're just there. Okay. Do you feel like I answered what best practice is? Yes, I do. Okay. How about the why sexual assault happens? I thought that was good. Okay. Describe your previous work experience that applies to this job and including your direct experience working with victims of sexual assault. My work experience includes Providing resources and services to victims and families that have had sexual abuse in their families, occur in their families. I have walked them through making the phone calls to the providers, transported them to the providers being there to support them during their times, working with therapists, taking them to medical facilities for exams. Um, I've had a a lot of hands-on experience in working directly with the victims. I have advocated for them with during their involvement with law enforcement. I've also worked with the command of board, Cherry Point and working with the perpetrators to ensure that they are receiving the services they need to try to keep the family together um, that's a summary of my experience in working with victims of sexual assault. No, the thing I think I would add is populations that you've worked with: children, you've worked with the women, you've worked with the men. So they get a clear picture, again, of how what you've done will benefit or carry over to the working with them. Okay. Um, and, and maybe I... be a little bit more specific with some of the um, like when you said you had worked with Cherry Point be a little bit more specific on some of that whether it was the children or you know, the children were the victims of the military service member or so a little bit more specific. Well, uh, would this work, um, when we when we received the report, I shared the report with the Family Advocacy Program aboard Cherry Point. Worked the investigation with the person assigned to do the investigation upon Cherry uh, Point. Yes, exactly. And collaborated with investigative findings from our side at the Department of Social Services and from and coordinated with the investigator of the Ward Cherry Point. Yes, love it. Because, again, that's showing the military connection Mm -hmm. and that you know that process. Okay. So when you're in the role at the – when you have this job and it's yours, one of the benefits you'll bring is understanding the, the civilian side and how they work together. So you're reinforcing that. Okay. I love it. Mm-hmm. Very clear examples of the relationships. Okay. Um, you want to try it again? Yeah. Okay, Lynn. Please describe your previous work experience that applies to this job, including your direct experience working with victims of sexual assault. My experience in working with victims of sexual assault include working with spouses of military personnel aboard Cherry Point, and also victims. Child victims of sexual abuse. I once we received a report that include military personnel. Um, first job was to contact the military personnel, the family advocacy program of Wurtsboro Point, to see if they wanted to coordinate how to. Initiate the investigation from the beginning to see if they wanted to be present. If they didn't, then I went ahead and went ahead and went out and and started the investigation. Once the investigation or the, the initiation was completed, I contacted the family advocacy personnel to let them know what the findings were at the initiation and what the safety plan included, so that we could coordinate how that plan could be put into place to ensure the victims. Safety. All through the investigation, I stayed in contact with the family advocacy personnel so that they would be aware of the findings that we were finding during the during the investigation, and also asked if there was any findings they had, or if there was any information they wanted to share that was coming from the the command or the 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 CEO of the the uh, alleged perpetrator. At at the time that we made a case decision, the uh, family advocacy personnel were identified immediately once the case decision was made, and then a plan of action was developed to ensure that the victims and the alleged perpetrators were receiving services. So on Cherry Point Air Base and also in the civilian side of it. The victims usually, if it was a, a spouse, usually received services on the outside, uh, on the civilian side. So we were very involved in finding the appropriate resources to help the spouse deal with the assault or the child deal with the sexual abuse. And that that sums up my experience in in dealing, dealing directly with the victims and the perpetrators. I like that. I like that. Could you hear the difference, how it was much more... You could visualize it, the connection. It was the process of the entire process of going through an assault and how my how I work collaboratively mm-hmm. with the uh, the military. Yep, I like that. <coughs> Excuse me. Please describe your awareness of local and national resources for sexual assault. And this is where I would have that spreadsheet. Okay. With the um, with the programs, I would just kind of touch on some of the programs and then go into um, – because to me, those are also resources that govern this position. And then you have, you know, the other – at the safe help line. Um, I don't I don't have that right in front of me. Let's see. I can re email it if you need it um had it was a spreadsheet and it had on the bottom the SARP with the two MEF order, the Marine Corps order that the 2 meth SARP webpage. I'll pull it up real quick. Um, sexual Assault Prevention Response for 2Meth. It has the office phone number, the work hours. It has resources tab. Let's see, describe your awareness of local and national resources for sexual assault. And this is for two MEF, correct? Is the one you're still interviewing for, right? Is the what? The two MEF, the command sexual assault for two MEF, yes. right? Uh-huh. Yes, okay. right. Some of the local resources would be the, for two MEF would be the sexual assault response coordinator with the work phone number. We've got, and then you could rattle it off Marine Corps Family Services, Community Counseling, Military OneSource, the Onslow Women's Center. Some of the web resources would be, and I'm just reading off the website. So okay. I can resend this to you. Yeah, I know I've got somewhere, but I've got, I've got so many documents that I've, I've got. I, I totally understand. And I would just... Um, actually, Here's the link, I'm putting it in the chat window here on what we're working on right now. That covers some of the national and local, and I'm sure you know even others that aren't on here. All right, so so I have to, basically I need to list these resources. Just basically say the the, the local resources are Sexual Assault Response Coordinator, the Marine and Family Services Community Counseling, Military OneSource, the Onslow Women's Center. Uh, web resources are SAFRA website. I would. I, that's how I interpret that question. They want to know that you know the to refer people to these. And I would also wear it after the Onslow Women's Center because people live in. Carteret County, maybe have theirs and some others to add. Yeah, I I could um, rattle off. So far as Carteret County, I can break it down into counties. Um, Carteret County has the Rape Crisis Center, which is is a service that does not charge victims if they don't have health health insurance or Medicaid. Um, you can go there and it will not cost you anything. Um, they have an advocate there that that helps victims. Um, There is RHA, Mental Health Services who have private therapists. Uh, Easter Seals Services has therapy services. Private therapists who are Good at dealing with dealing with victims of sexual abuse are Diane Brown um, at the Deal Deal House in Moorhead City, um, in Craven County. Uh, Chris Boyle is a private therapist who is deals with victims of sexual assault. Um, there's. I think that's good that you're able to name people by name. There's the Promise Place in New Bern, um, which is also an advocacy center who see adults and children that are victims of sexual assault and sexual abuse. Um, One of the lead therapists there is Jean Hearn. Um, There's also a psychiatrist who basically deals with children um, his name is Dr. Evans. He is with ECIM in New Bern. Access Family Services have private therapists um, who also deal with victims of sexual abuse and sexual assault. Dixon Social Interactive Services, they provide... Services to families like intensive in-home, if there's been sexual assault or sexual abuse or domestic violence, they can assign a team to work with the family to work on uh, appropriate ways of dealing with anger and aggression. Those are just the ones that I'm familiar with that are in Craven County and Carteret County. I think I would just try to find a few more in Onslow, but I think that is fabulous. I think, you know, covering what's on that website and then you've got so much more, I think that will blow them away. They'll be like, wow, she knows. Um, I'll, I'll, re- I'll look up Onslow County. I, I haven't worked with Onslow County. I work with the Craven County family. Mm-hmm. But... I am familiar with Oslo County, so I know I know their I know their resources. Yeah. Some of my kids were from that area, so I can research that and have that available. Yeah. I think that's really great. That's what I think they're looking for too, is that um and I think I would just wrap it up with um, you know, due to my X amount of years in the community working with victims of sexual assault I have a very extensive Rolodex of resources that I will be able to bring to the position that will add value to everyone that I'm working with. You know, I actually have a resource manual that includes mental health services, but it also includes different things like housing, Medical providers, pediatricians, just all kinds of different resources for families. Um, I could, I could actually bring that up. Mhm. I think so. I think that would be fabulous. Okay. Because again, I don't think if it's somebody who's just moved here or. A veteran who just retired—they—they're not going to—they don't have that knowledge that you have, the connections, right? To you, it's think- second nature. Somebody like me, or I would have to, you know, go digging and look it up. You've got the—the the immediate off the top of your head connections, and that's fabulous. Okay, to be very valuable. And we want to really sell that. Okay. So when I would. Again, when you wrap it up after you name them all because they want you to name them, you know, describe your awareness, I would just wrap it up with, again, reinforcing the amount of years' experience working with this population you have and the wealth of the resources. You know, you're very well connected. And you'll be able to bring that to them.
0: Okay. What
1: I'm going to do is after we finish I'm going to go back and, and look at my questions again and I'm going to beef up the answers and then what I'll do is I'll email it to you so you can take a look and see okay. if it covered everything. Because I think that's that's part of the um, preparing is actually, I always say, kind of writing your script, writing it down so when you're on that phone interview, you've got it in front of you in case you, you just get, we all get nervous and forget, yeah. but you've got right. it in front of you. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the next one, being a SARP victim advocate means that you will work with SANE's and other medical professionals at the Naval Hospital, civilian hospitals. <coughs> excuse me. <I'm> sorry. <coughs> Law enforcement, both military and civilian, SARS, a victim's chain of command, and prosecutors. Describe your specific experiences with collaborating with these professionals and how you would go about building and maintaining relationships with your colleagues. That's a loaded one. That'd be the one I'd be like, huh? <laughs> and that's that's one of those long questions that you really gotta be on your toes to make sure you answer every part of it. Mhm. And again, I would just look at the KSAs. I think we've answered that in some of these KSAs. Okay. Yes, all that. You know the one where um, actually B. I think you have answer a lot of it. Describe your work related that demonstrates laws, regulations, executive orders. You had it all broke down into criminal different things. Let's see. Oh, and then D also. Describe your work related experiences, to work collaboratively with senior military civilian community partners and colleagues. And you had that one part with the, you did really well on that one, the same part. Right. So I would just look at all of that and formulate your answer to make sure you're hitting it all. But you've got it already on paper. But, again, we can't guarantee that they're reading it. Right. They, they might have skimmed, but they need you to put it in their brain. Do you do you feel, do you think it would be good to talk about specific cases or just be more general? Specific. Minute? I would be very specific, um. because the general kind of general things got you in the door to the interview. Now they want the really good meat and potatoes. So, if I had like an experience where we had a four year old victim child who was sexually assaulted, and pretty much we went through the entire thing, the child was found walking on the road. Um, Sheriff's Department picked him up, took him to the emergency room, Carter General Hospital same nurse was called c p s worker was called law enforcement was already there. They were getting in touch with the head detective who would be investi- who would be handling the case. We all responded to the hospital um, child was checked to see if he you know was at, if he needed any immediate medical care um The same nurse started with the CPS investigator by talking with the child, uh, trying to just assess the child's injuries, just basically looking at him without any invasive uh, examinations. Mm -hmm. Law enforcement was getting in touch and trying to locate the mother of the child Somehow law enforcement was able to determine who the mother was. They went to the home, got the mother up. She did not even know the child was gone. The child was taken out of a window of the bedroom by the perpetrator. Once some rapport had been made with the child, there was a same exam completed. Evidence was collected and dealt with in the appropriate manner. The At that time, we did not, this, this was not a military family, so we did not contact the military. The investigator worked on developing a safety plan to ensure that the child was safe for the night the the child was admitted to the hospital and kept there for several days. And that was basically to determine the mother's ability to protect the child. It was undetermined if if she had contributed to the child being abducted in any way. Um, But we were having daily contact with the same nurse in that case. Um, Daily contact with hospital personnel, nurses who were observing the parent's interaction with the child. Um, Because at that time we were undetermined whether or not the child was gonna come into uh, DSS legal custody or not. Um, So a, a safety plan was put into place with this family to ensure that that child was safe and that the child was going to receive services that he needed during that time. So that was one of my experiences, only one of them, but I worked exclusively with a SANE nurse Mm -hmm. in the hospital. Um, I had another case where I worked extensively with a uh, victim advocate for Cherry Point. Um, This was a domestic violence case the Marine uh, came back from Afghanistan and had PTSD and was not receiving services for that. And in addition to that, was also using substances. Um, the There was some very serious domestic violence. Children were involved. Children came into DSS custody. Um, we had meetings at the Satellite office in Newport with the team from the family advocacy um, to develop a plan. At one point in time, the Marine was in the brig, um, and the family advocacy program worked extensively in getting services for him. I remember uh, during one of the meetings that we had with the family. Um, They said this is one of the worst cases of PTSD they'd ever seen.
0: Mm.
1: And in addition to the PTSD, he was using uh, um, opiates. He was addicted to opiates as well as his wife was addicted to opiates also. Um, It was a very serious case. He was... um, discharged from the military, I believe he was court-martialed, if I recall correctly. Um, and so that was a case that we worked and had a lot of contact with family advocacy aboard Cherry Point. And with that one, was it also the victim's chain of command? Yes. Okay, I would throw that in there, the chain of command, prosecutors. That one seemed to have everything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was Wow, it's pretty bad. Um, but yeah, the specific examples really let them know. Again, you've got the experience. You, you, you're seasoned. You've done this. Okay. Uh, let's see. I don't know if I need to go back and look at the question again. But it was. Um, I think I, I all, did, all I did was I didn't bring up uh, the victim's chain of command. And yeah, and that's what I would add it in that one you just said. Okay. You work closely with the chain of command, with, you know, because you said he got court martialed with prosecutors. Okay. The only thing I, one I think I haven't heard is maybe the Naval Hospital. Uh I worked with the Naval Hospital with Cherry Point and Camp Lejeune. We had cases where, you know, children were taken to these hospitals um and part of ensuring that the child got appropriate services was that we needed to get their medical records and there was a specific procedure that we had to go to to be able to do that being that it was on a military base. Uh, So I I worked with some of those cases, getting those records. The other part of it was also working at getting sometimes the perpetrator's records, which were very difficult to get. Um, Part of the reason for getting those records was to sometimes proved that the abuse had occurred. And oftentimes there was information in those records that might indicate that there had been some previous history with the perpetrators. Um, we were successful in getting some of those records and some we were not.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, also worked with the VA, the Veterans Administration, in getting mm-hmm. records for... Ooh, I would throw that one in there getting records on people that were um, either retired or uh, just had previous military experience who were receiving services through the VA. Um, Again, those records were very difficult to get. Um, In some of those cases, we were not successful in getting those records, which ultimately led to the perpetrators not being prosecuted. Um, One particular case, uh, the perpetrator was previous military and he was receiving services through the VA and he had raped all three of his children mm-hmm. as well as physically abused them in other ways and neglected them. And we we got uh, charges filed in the court system But the case, he was not convicted. And part of the reason was we could not get his records from the the VA. I think that's an excellent example for that one. And throwing in the VA, even though they don't ask for it, I think is, is really good. Okay. I think you hit them all on that one. That's going to be a lengthy one, but again, very specific examples because that's what that question says, specific experiences I think drives home and really lets them see that you can do it, that you've done it. Okay. So what do you see as the most important function of a victim advocate? The most important function of a victim advocate is to support the victim. Um, It is being there for the victims throughout the entire process from the beginning to the end, from that initial phone call all the way to the very end, if there's a even if there's a prosecution. Um, is to also is to maintain that the victim is receiving services and resources throughout the entire process. To inform the victim of all the options. Um, what the procedures are going to look like, what they're going to feel like, and to let the victim know that you're going to be there during any of that time, that you're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If they need to talk, you're there. Um, It's just supporting the victim in everything that they've been through and allowing them to make the decisions because you don't want to re-victimize them by trying to force them to take one resource over another or proceed in a restricted or unrestricted uh, process, letting them make the decisions. I like that. I like that. Describe a time when you were an effective victim advocate and tell us what made you effective. One particular, a particular incident where I was an advocate for a, a, a victim of sexual assault was I had a 15-year-old victim. <clears throat> I was the investigator in the the CPS report. She was mildly MR, mentally retarded, and she lived with her father. Her mother left and was not able to get custody of, this, get custody of her when, when she left. The father began sexually abusing her when the mother left. When she became a teenager, that became more of an issue because she became very promiscuous due to being sexually abused almost her entire life. When she became sexually promiscuous, she started liking boys. She snuck out of the house one night to go meet some boys down the road who were also taking advantage of her sexually. And her father found out she left and he found her where she was at and he hit her over the head with a Pepsi bottle. She was taken to the hospital. She had a great big gash in her forehead where it had hit her. He was arrested for that, but was not was not convicted. She became a foster care because she was in foster care, I was also her foster care worker. And I helped her through that process of getting the right counselor, which didn't happen the first counselor she got. Um, She didn't understand why she couldn't see her father, so we had to walk her through helping her understand the lack of contact because that was her father and that's what she was used to. I coordinated with her mother, trying to help her mother get more involved in her life, but her mother was with someone that was not a good person either. He was a convicted felon who had charges of domestic violence, so we weren't able to reunite her with her mother. We did find a family member for her um, that she could be placed with and be safe in the very end but through that process, she was placed in different foster homes and did not have a good experience. I was there for her through the entire process. She learned to trust me and I advocated her for her through the entire process. Um
0: I'm
1: trying to think of let me think of another incident where I helped the victim. I had another case that I worked with a young victim. She was 15. The case was in case management services, so I was providing case management to the family. The family was a single mother with two girls. She moved in with another family because she was homeless. The family she moved in with was a young couple who had two small children. The husband to this family was a karate instructor but had some sexual offenses in his criminal record, which I had researched. And the victim in this case began spending a lot of time with him. He was taking her places alone. He was taking her places uh, to buy her things, so he was basically grooming her. I warned the mother about this and brought that to her attention, and she was very not receptive at all to the advice I gave her and asking that she not allow him to have any contact with the child alone. Um, And basically what wound up happening is she was sexually assaulted by this person. So I was able to see the trend and understand what was happening and I provided warning to the parent and that's why her child came into DSS custody because she refused to protect her child. With that child, I placed her in her placements when she was placed in DSS custody. I connected her with therapists she was provided with medical care she also had a sexually transmitted disease due to the sexual assault so I walked her through that dealing with that maintaining that she attended school and then worked with the family on reunification because that's required you have to work on reunification regardless of what happens in a family So that was my basic, uh, that was another example, but I have others if if you would like to hear them. I, I think those are really great examples, and I would just wrap up each one with, again, driving home what made you effective. I was an active listener. I had the confidentiality or the rapport with the victim, I took these steps, I did this, this, and this. It's almost, you know, after you share the the scenario, uh-huh. almost so being we, bold and snotty and tooting your own horn or she does. so uh-huh. that they understand how you were effective. Therapy services. Provided a safe environment, mhm provided supervised visitations Provided counseling to the parents to help her understand what she needed to do and say to be effective and support her child through this this process. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want me to add? I'm just skimming real quick the job announcement to see if there's any buzzwords that we want to make sure you're saying. Yeah, I I pulled that. I got it. Okay, good. Yeah. So when you're redrafting, you make sure you're just hitting the words that resonate with them. Promote is a word I see a lot. Mm-hmm. establishing protocols, encouraging victims to come forward. And maybe use the word advocate, advocacy. I advocated on their behalf. I... When I look at the um the section with the minimum qualifications knowledge of rules procedures this is very toward the bottom about maybe 5 6 lines up from the bottom Operations to perform, procedural work, preparing and editing documents, locating and assembling information for reports. I think I would throw that into some of these. Just sit back and think about how you can make sure you're hitting all of these minimum qualifications in your answers too. Because part of being the effective advocate is ensuring the paperwork was completed correctly, so that Everything had the desired outcome that nothing was left undone. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm kind of drawing a blank how to appropriately say it, but I would just kind of making sure that the the, the petitions were drafted correctly, mhm, and going over the petitions with the the attorney, yes making sure the appropriate wording was in there, mm-hmm. making sure that the appropriate letters were sent to the DA to the DA's office yes. uh, in a timely manner when these crimes occurred. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah. Because that then, again, is reinforcing specific skill set you have. Sending the reports to the family advocacy when military families were involved. hmm Right, the next question, a Marine calls you on the 24-7 line. You have been working with this Marine for three weeks. She went to a medical clinic and a corpsman told her that if she didn't act like a typical female, she would not have been sexually assaulted. Tell us what you would say to the Marine and what next steps you would take. I would tell the Marine that there there is no such thing as typical female. Nothing she did provoked a sexual assault. I would get specific information on who the person was and go through the appropriate procedure with reporting this type of conduct in the medical clinic to see if it could be handled through the chain of command. But first and foremost, I would assure the victim that she had done nothing to provoke the assault and that what was said to her was not appropriate. And like that. I encourage her to continue to seek resources and services to help her through this process Mm -hmm. for him. I think, I'm glad you brought up him, because I think you need to be prepared if they ask about a male right. being sexually assaulted. Right. I've looked at some of the, re- the stats, and it says there's more males that are assaulted, that, but it's because more males are in the military. hmm You know. But we don't ever hear about it. Yeah, I mean, they're less likely to come forward. Mm-hmm. But I like when you you brought up going through the chain of command. Again, using the the buzzwords for them, I think, reinforces that you know the procedures of working with the military. So I think that's really good. Tell us about a time when you were working with a victim of sexual assault and it wasn't going smoothly. What did you do to improve the communication, and what did you do after the person left? This is one I haven't answered. Um, You have like a resistant client or someone maybe that didn't want to and you had to really observe the body language for the incongruence of what was coming out of the mouth? Could it also be uh, when the law enforcement resources were not doing what they needed to do? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I think so. Uh-huh. I think it could be anything, really. There was a particular case we had where we had an 8-year-old uh, child who was sexually assaulted by a Hispanic male. We got the report. We went out, initiated in a timely manner, which was immediate, Um spoke with the victim, interviewed the victim, got a full-blown disclosure of all the incidents that happened. It's probably one of the best interviews I've ever seen done by one of the social workers that I supervised. The mother was on board with protecting the child. The victim, I mean, the perpetrator was not in the home, so it made it a little bit easier to protect the child. The perpetrator was a boyfriend to the older adult child in the home. Law enforcement was contacted. The first thing that didn't go right was they did not respond when we got ready to do the interview. So the interview was done without law enforcement being present. Next thing that happened was law enforcement waited several days to go out and look for the perpetrator. In this particular case, the detective working the case did had an unbiased opinion about rape victims. And I knew this because he had shared this at a previous seminar. And that bias, I believe, led to him not handling the case appropriately. And ultimately what happened in the end was the perpetrator absconded and was never found that particular law enforcement agency received a lot of negative press about that incident. The mother to the child, the victim child, read an article to the newspaper and really bashed the law enforcement agency that handled it. He was never caught. He was an illegal alien to start with. And I don't feel like the child got closure on that assault, nor did the mother, um, because he was never apprehended and never prosecuted for the crime. So that that is one particular case that did not go well. It's not the way we wanted it to go. We did our part on our side doing the interview and providing resources and services for the child, but we didn't feel that law enforcement held up there in the bargain in supporting the victim and family. Um, okay, the second part of that question was, what did you do to improve the communication and what did you do after the person left? So with that scenario, I think I would just kind of, what lessons were learned or was there something you could take in going forward to try to prevent that from happening again? I, I believe that what would have helped in that situation, and, and this is the unfortunate part, when, when reports come in, you don't have a lot of time to plan the most appropriate strategic plan to, to deal with that particular incident. So you, you're going full force. I mean, the report has to be responded to immediately, Um having more time to sit down with law enforcement, make sure we're all on the same page so that we could have done the interview together. Um, The purpose behind doing the interview together with law enforcement is to avoid having to interview victims multiple times. Um, It it doesn't help victims when they have to go over the, the incidents and the things that happened to them numerous times and Again, we're here trying to support the victims in, in these situations. So, again, more communication, more, um, more sessions, uh, planning on how to respond to sexual assaults, working with the community partners to include law enforcement and medical providers, same nurses. It, 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 it just... You have a better working relationship. So, doing more on the front end, so that those so that those cases can be dealt with more appropriately and to get the most help to the victims. I like that. I liked how you wrapped it up with again naming all the different key players in this, and that the communications key, networking, being all on the same same team, really is key to right. helping. I like that. I think that takes that negative and spins it into a positive. Okay. What type of things in your work have caused stress or made you uncomfortable? What did you do when those situations happened? Okay, I know this is a tricky question because this is basically giving them What's going to be a problem if I come to work for them, right? Yeah, or just um, kind of your triggers and how you overcome them. Your hot topics are the ones that really... um, I'm drawing a blank here. No, I I'm, I'm trying to think too. I'm thinking almost maybe the scenario you just said, what causes you stress is when you cannot get the victim the services or the results. And I don't know that results is the correct term that are desired. And what did you do with those when that situation happened? You reexamined what went wrong, designed how you could get everybody on board. Almost kind of how you wrapped it up before. How to get so people don't abscond and leave. Well, one of the things that when when I have a situation that didn't go well that stresses me out, so that would make me stressed and make me feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And so, how do I go about handling that? Is that we always had a debriefing. We debriefed what we did when we went out and made that first initial contact with a victim and a family and looked at what we did that didn't work and come up with a scenario of how we could have done it differently. So for future cases, we would not make those same mistakes again. I like um, that. I like that. Debriefing is, is, is key in working with, with social workers. They have, they take on a lot of information that is very stressful to them. Um, It's almost like sometimes they could even, it's like being the victim secondhand to what happened to a victim. And then they need that debriefing to help them be able to continue to do their job. Um, I like that. I like that answer. I mean, it's a stressful job. Yes, it is. I mean, the, you, you can't <laughs> avoid it. Stress is everywhere. Stress is, and maybe that's how you answer that. You know, when it says what type of things in your work have caused stress. This is a high-stress job. Every day there is stress, but the way that it is handled is through the debriefing. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay. I like that. I like the way you said that. Because it's not playing, you know, burying your head in the sand that it's not stressful. Right. This job may include providing briefings and presentations on sexual assault to Marines and sailors. Have you ever given a brief, and if so, describe who the audience was, how large it was, and what made your presentation good? Again, I'd go right back to the KSAs where we answered that. Okay, and I would cover everything from, you know, you have briefed the, um, I think wasn't it one of them, you just briefed like the CO or someone, a couple people, the SAR major maybe, or was that a different job, and to, you know, the actual giving the presentations at the Sexual Assault Task Force seminar, and what else do we have in there? Can I also add in here... um, When we got ready to take custody of a child, we had to prepare a brief for the CPS committee, which included the director, the DSS attorney, the foster care supervisor,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and the social worker working the case. Mhm. I like. Um, that. And basically the brief was we had to prove our case. We had to prove that we had looked for additional relatives for the child and that we had utilized every resource and that those resources had not been successful in eliminating the risk to the child. So And it was very difficult. Those were very stressful uh, briefings, Mm -hmm. very emotional. The social worker would become very emotional. My job as a supervisor was to try to maintain her composure, help her stay calm and just present the facts without getting so emotionally involved. Um, So those were, were briefings on smaller numbers and what made the presentation good is it the fact you were able to stick help stick to the facts and keep emotion out of it what made the presentation good is that we had done everything we needed to do that before we brought that case to that committee if they had a question we already had the answer there was nothing they needed to send us back to do prior to making the decision about taking the child into custody. That was key for me. I always ensured that all the workers had done all the tasks during the investigation, that we had turned every rock, looked under every stone, and there was nothing left to do. So that's what made my presentations good when we were presenting these cases. Um. Another example of a presentation I gave, or a brief, was I was asked routinely to give uh, briefs on Child Protective Services at Head Start programs, child development centers, and most of the audience, a lot of the audience were Hispanic families. um, and the, the, the information that we provided was probably more informative to these folks because they did not understand the culture, a lot of them, because a lot of them were here from Mexico, you know, only been here a few years. So they had not really incorporated themselves into the community and understanding. They stayed within their own culture, and they still live the way they do when they lived in Mexico or whatever country they came from, and so they're they're not understanding the culture of what child abuse and neglect means because some of the things that we investigated with Hispanic families may not have been a child abuse issue in mexico um what made the 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 brief successful is that the families i know the families were interested they had good questions um, there was dialogue that went on between myself and and the participants attending the brief um There was an interpreter, so I worked with an interpreter on all of these um but also, I did uh some some briefs or some presentations for child care providers, different child care providers in the community um, came together at the civic center, so there was a larger number of people there um I also provided briefings on the yearly top of service reports from the state to the county commissioners and gave them all the statistical data that had been gathered through the database that we reported all of our information to, answered questions for them, Um, testifying in court. Basically you're providing the information as as the attorneys ask you questions on both sides. That's the defense attorney and the and the DSS attorney. I attended some case briefings aboard Cherry Point where we provided all the information gathered during the investigation answered any of the commands questions that they had about the cases. Um, but that's that's been my experience in providing briefs and information. I would just follow that add that um I'm comf- I'm very comfortable getting up in front of people and delivering presentations to groups of all sizes. Okay. Just so they get a picture of big and small groups. Okay. I think the examples you gave are, are excellent. Excellent. And what are the major challenges you would face working with victims of sexual assault? I, I don't. I don't see that I would have any challenges. Um, I, I've got a lot of years of experience in working with victims. I would say how many years I have over X amount of years there I am there's probably nothing I have not dealt with already and overcome to be effective in my role in my position or in my role so I I will be let me see um, I don't anticipate any major challenges because I'll be relying on the wealth of my experiences or something to help me overcome any new challenges that may be present. And let them hear how many years' experience you've—you've you've got it. You're well-versed. Got it. You're the expert in this. You 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 know it. You know every you know everything that has been a challenge, you've you've had to deal through it or you wouldn't have had all these years experience. You would have failed. Right. And not be where you are. <laughs> so I just think of again how to wrap that up with I've had, you know, the focusing on the years experiences and Everything you learned early on just built to you being able to deliver fabulous services to these victims and get whatever. I hate saying results. Getting them the the treatment, the services needed, desired. Turn it into a positive. (laughs) All right. Would you be available to respond on-site to crisis calls within two hours during the evening and weekends as assigned and to telephone contact within 15 minutes for a sexual assault helpline? I Yes, I would be available to respond within two hours during the evenings and weekends as assigned and telephone contact within 15 minutes for sexual assault helpline. My previous experience in working as a CPS investigator and as a resource coordinator, I also had to be available for on-call. I pulled on-call, um, called as soon as the pager went off, made the phone call less than 15 minutes, uh, took all the information then staffed it with the supervisor. And if I had to go out, responded immediately once the information was communicated with the supervisor. As a supervisor, I also was responsible for direct contact with the on-call worker. All the calls they received had to be screened with me while I was on call. I pulled a week at the time. Um, So I'm well-versed in being on call. I mean, I've, I've been doing it for the past 19 years, you might as well say. So I've got lots of experience and more than willing to be available to be available to respond to these calls in this job. Why are you the right person for the job? This this job was written for me. I could do it backwards and forwards. I would have no problem doing any of the, the, the jobs. The job... I would throw in some of the certifications, um, just again, some of the key points you've worked with over the years that have made you the perfect person. You have the command, I don't want to say command connections. You understand the military culture. You have worked with military commands. In this subject, you have, and just reinforced why you're the right person really quantify and leave no doubt in their mind. Okay. Because I don't think they can find anybody who's got your qualifications. Well it's just a matter of being able to communicate it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the job description and and basically give a little synopsis after each section mm-hmm. and compare my experience to what they're looking for. Yes. Which, again, you've got the KSAs, so that right. don't overcomplicate it, but you've got the KSAs and, mm-hmm. And, and of course, these questions that I sent you was for victim advocate. So... They're just a little bit different. It'll be a little bit different, I guess, for this position.
0: Yeah, I'm looking through the um
1: KSAs and I think again though we've they're very similar. Right. I'm just going to be reading these all weekend. Mm -hmm. And you sent me the link. Uh, I I did have a question about something. Uh Um, Making sure these directives that you sent me, like the Directive 649501 Sexual Assault Prevention Response Program, did you send me all of those? Yes. Okay. Maybe Sexual Assault Prevention and Response, 172.5B. Mm-hmm. I have to go back and look. Because I was looking for some of those last night. I sent a spreadsheet with all the active links to pull okay. them up. Do you have that, or should I resend it? I think I have it. Those are just the, um, you know, it starts at the top, DOD is the top one, and then you would have Secretary of the Navy, the SecNav, and then it would be the Marine Corps orders, and it works its way down. We have them listed here, kind of in reverse order. We've got the two MEF, which would apply specifically for this position, because it's two MEF. And then MEF would fall under, the, the next higher would be the Marine Corps order, and then the sec nav and the d o d, and it was like a just a list of those mhm so you to send me that link again, okay, I will. I'll re email it to you because it was a spreadsheet and it's got three things it had uh it one tab was the SARP, and it lists all the directives, then another one was stat. And it was just some of the statistics with some active links, and then some news briefings with statistics. Okay. So I'll resend that. But I would be, you know, if they ask about any of these those orders, you've you've got them. Okay. I I think I just found it. Let's see. It's got a, let's see, it says NCCS, MC Straight Point Family Readiness, E readiness, Marine, Military One Source, Marine Corps Family Team Building. Uh, that went with a different one. That's a different one? Yep. Okay. Well, send that one to me, the one you're talking about. Okay. In your experience, how? How long do you think a phone interview would be? Ooh. You know, i if it's going poorly, it'll be just a few minutes. If it's going well, it can be hours. It just really depends on the amount of time they have. Uh-huh. Well, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be hours because I want to say the times they gave me were shorter in length, I think.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There were shorter times, so it sounds to me like they may have uh, interviews stacked back to back. Mm-hmm. But I do know that if it is going well, they would take longer because I, I remember when I went through the last interview I went to at the Camp of June. Um, my interview was late because they were running behind on a phone interview. I would just, you know, again, I I wouldn't feel rushed. I wouldn't try to feel rushed. But if if you end up having to feel rushed by them, I would just focus on zero in on the best examples, the best facts. I don't think we did any fluff because I'm not a fluff type person. Nobody wants the fluff. They will, it it dilutes what they're hearing. But it's just really being concise, which you were. And driving back home, some of the things to make sure they understood what you were saying answered that question. Okay. I would just have everything laid out: the the resume, the KSA's, the job announcement, where everything kind of matches up. And and if you have any questions for them, they always ask. You know, do you have a question for them?
0: Any questions you want
1: to suggest? Um. I'm trying to think. Um, I think one of the typical, what's the most challenging aspect of this position. Um I think the other thing to be um, ready to talk about is some of the programs, maybe, program development, because it talks about develop under the qualifications, major duties, develops and implements protocol to evaluate programs and goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. I know we talked about that in your resume, but I would just make sure... The major duties, look at them and what you've done. Formulates, administer, and, mon- and monitors the budget for the program, presents financial reports. I'm pretty sure we touched on that in here. If we did- I mean, my experience in, in working with budgets is. Basically, I mean, each year DSS had to develop their budget and we could request certain things, um, like a new position. One year we got an on-call position. Um, I had to develop that job description for that, Um, what the duties, what percentage of time would be spent doing certain Certain tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that. So I have limited, limited uh, experience in, in in developing a budget. We know you can do the job. We know you've done everything in this job before. So it's just really, again, that I think the advantage of the phone interview, again, you just you're able to jot down some notes, look at your notes. If you need time to stall while you're formulating instead of the ums and the uhs, just that's a great question. I'm thinking okay. um, something that nature. I'm just trying to trying to be relaxed and yourself. And if you think of any other questions or anything, just give me a call or email me. know, yeah, I'm always okay. at my desk. <laughs> I'll be I'll be working on it this weekend. Um I'm just trying to get myself prepared. I mean it is what it is. You know. I mean if I get it I I would love to get the job. I would really like to do that type of work. And I would let them know that. You know, when they say, you know, why why are you the right one? Because you know, let them know you have a you know I think how to say it. You know, you would you would love to, you know, thank you for considering me, you know, wrapping up the phone call. I would love to have this position. I don't like the word job because to me that just sounds kinda of Yeah. But you know, I, I think it's okay to say, you know, I would love to be working for two meth as the command sexual sexual assault prevention, blah blah blah. This is some an area I am very passionate about, and let them know that. Let them hear that, because I don't think they want somebody that it's a job, right? They want somebody that is truly passionate about helping. How and did you say? How did you say the uh, the word you just used? The the, the 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 mes how did you say that the one? you said I would love to work with a command sexual assault mm-hmm. then no, you said I would love to work with the marine expeditionary forces. Map that was meth. Meth. okay that's what I was trying to get yeah that's okay to use that term right like yes. that, right. I think so. Okay. I just have to practice, Janine. That's all I gotta do. Yep, just just script it out. Um, you know it. I mean, you know this job, so it's. I think. Don't be afraid to toot your own horn. Give specific examples and use the buzzwords, and you'll be fine. You will be fine. Be very, as I say when it's academic writing, be bold and snotty. So almost be bold and snotty on tooting your own horn. This is the time to do it. Alrighty then. But if you wanna, if you're gonna type them out, like some of your answers, and you want me to look at them? I definitely will. Okay, I'm gonna work on that today. Okay. I have to run an errand this afternoon. I gotta go to the car dealership at two thirty, but I'm gonna work on it and I'll see what I can get done, and I'll send it to you this evening, sometime or tomorrow. Okay. And you've got the this recording will be sometimes there. There the link is active right away. Sometimes it may take an hour because we've been on for a while. Uh-huh. And you can listen again to, you can download it to iTunes, you can listen from your computer, wherever, and just kind of listen to what we were, how we were talking about some of the questions and your responses. Okay. I think you did good. You were you were a little monotone, but I think once you, you kind of have it more scripted and can practice, you'll be more you. Okay. Don't be afraid to be you. Okay. You know, let them hear the genuine you. I know you're going to do fabulous. You're going to do great. I, I got two. Uh, I told you I got the one email saying that I had not been selected.
0: Mhm.
1: And then I got another email And I think that was for one of the readiness positions I applied for. And it said that they had, I can't see how they worded it, they had um, postponed or delayed the uh, the position. Mm -hmm. I thought it was pretty nice to send an email saying that You know, I mean, most of the time you're not going to hear anything. Right, right. So, I mean, I thought that was pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. If people are waiting. You know, they're waiting and hoping. And these are a long process sometimes from the beginning to the end. It can take six months or more. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy process but I don't think there's anyone with your credentials. No. This is yours. It is your job. It was written for you. <laughs> and I think when you believe it and you really feel it, it comes across in the conversation with the interviewers. Because every time I've applied for something, that was like, oh, this job was written for me. It's got me all over it. And, and it's just it's just natural. I mean you still have your notes in front of you, but it's a natural fit because you've done everything.
0: Right. You're not trying to
1: fake it. Right. So
0: okay.
1: So I hope this has been beneficial for you. Yeah. it's. I, I know I got to work on just relaxing and just answering the questions. hmm Stopping to think. And I I think sometimes I'm I'm worried that they're going to want me to answer, you know, really quick. They're looking for the quick response. But I don't think that's always the case. I don't either, and I don't think their questions beg for a quick response. And especially in this type of job. They want it to be lengthy. Mm Mm-hmm. I think so. Because there are specific experiences, specific examples and if they're naming off, you know, the one where they want the same, the, the prosecutor, the hospital, this and that, if you got to touch on how you've worked with six or eight different agencies or people, that's not a quick answer. No, it's not. And I would just leave, you know, when it's time to, to wrap everything up, just again, wrapping it up with, you know, you love um, – Love working with this environment. You love helping and having the impact for others. It's yes. It's I don't know how to say it. Um It is stressful, but yet it's very rewarding. I would let them know you. It's rewarding, and you want the job, right? And you're the one with the experience, and you know how to avoid burnout. And I like when you talked about the debriefing, and I think you got it. Practice a little bit more and have everything ready, and you're good to go. All right. I'll I'll put my best foot forward. I'm excited for you. I'm excited. what you want. You want it. It's yours. Now go get it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I appreciate it, Jenny. You're welcome. Stay in touch. I will. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.